So we would bail up the barbed wire and then put it on the edge of this pole. And then I would carry the pole across my back like a donkey, basically. <laughs> and they would load up like, a, you know, 50 pounds of barbed wire and then I'd walk it up a hill. And you're like, don't worry, it's very stable because it's embedded in my skin. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 153 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the privacy purveyor. I'm Sam and I'm the man who jams. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, <laughs> and working in the games industry. Today is June for 2018. Before you started, we have a warning. <laughs> June, June 4, 420. 20. Oh, June, June 4, 20. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. 18. <laughs> Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. So if you're a child, a chid, a kid, or a baby, get your face away from mm-hmm. the audio equipment. Toddle on out of the room. Toddle on out of here. If you are capable of it. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys. News from this past week. A lot of things have happened and a lot of things have stopped happening. Let's talk. So first of all, the comb over discount that we have been promoting on the Butterscotch Shanana shop. It's done. It's done now. So I hope you got your packages. In fact, many of you did. So thanks for buying stuff. Yep. Yeah. I think we shipped like 15 things. We did. Some of them were boxes of things. Bundles, even. Bundles, which is awesome. Uh, so, you know, you missed out if you didn't get it, and now you're just going to have to wait until, I don't know, next week or something when we do another one. Completely random. Uh-huh. All right, Shanana Jam. It's happening. This is our 48-hour, well, actually 72-hour worldwide game jam uh, that is hosted using uh, itch.io. If you want to get some information about it, you can go to shenanajam.com. It is a great opportunity to make a game in a weekend Grab a friend, grab some beers, uh, assuming mm-hmm. you are of the appropriate age mm-hmm. in your, you know, uh, in your country or, or some root place beers. Yep. Get some root beers if mm-hmm. you're a And no matter which youngster. one of those two you choose, you know, just don't drink too much. Keep mm-hmm. it keep it nice and balmer peaky. Contrary to popular belief, being super drunk or super sugared up does not help you produce more games. No does not contrary to popular everybody thinks everyone that. thinks that. everybody thinks the way you make games is you well, just get real fucked up because <laughs> people always yeah. look at like a, especially after a jam you'll have this really weird level of creative output and usually what you end up with is something that is very zany you know at the end of the two days people be like how did you make that were you on drugs why do yeah. people ask this question all the time yeah, no i was on a work? deadline yeah i didn't have time it, to think it, it, feels, <laughs> it feels the same apparently but yeah. i guess it is kind of sad if if you if you believe the only way that a person can be yes. creative is to be on drugs because you yourself have never actually felt the the creative mm-hmm. output. So that what, means, what that means is you've never done a game jam. Yeah. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. that means. That's your soul calling you to the shenanigans jam this weekend. So if you haven't, sign up. if you haven't committed yet, now's the time because this is going to be. Or any time between now and the start of the shenanigans jam. Mm-hmm. Nope. Right now. Ideally right now though. <laughs> right now is the time. If you're in the car, just. You got pull your phone over. out already anyway because you're listening to this podcast. Just pull over, be safe, pull mm-hmm. over, go to shenanajam.com. No, don't worry up. about safety. Just pull over and get it done. <laughs> yeah, get it done. You know, this is an emergency situation. <laughs> shenanajam.com. Go there. Uh, also, we are going to, so last year in the Shenanajam, we did a kickoff event to announce the theme and kind of talk about jamming uh, in general, which was a YouTube video that we put together. This year we thought, let's switch it up. Let's podcast the kickoff. So we're going to be releasing a special mini, mini-sode, mm-hmm. mini-episode of the podcast uh, at the moment the jam starts. We got a Friday at 8 a.m. CST. 
Yes. Yep. Uh, so if you normally use U- CDT, actually CDT, you know, whichever somebody, one. Somebody was upset about this a, a while ago. Is it because of the savings? The, the D is for daylight. Because we're on daylight time it's for central now. daylight savings mm. time. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we all know about this. What's the, S? We What's the S then? Standard. Standard. Um, standard. For some stupid reason, standard does not include daylight savings. Gotcha. But I think it's because to be standard, that way it's just always minus five or whatever it is for us. Right. So it just stays the same. And then but we you slap that switch. D in there. Now all of a sudden you don't know what it's going to be. Okay. Minus five, minus mm. six. So it's 8 a.m. CDT on Friday. On Friday. And it's yeah. a 20 minute episode. June 8th. It's pretty quick. And it's just, it goes over, you know, why jam? Why do the thing? And then also uh, sort of the, you get to hear us do a little brief improv session and, and make a game based on the themes that we release. Yes. So assuming we actually do that, I mean, who knows what will happen once we actually record. Yeah. The, you know, we haven't recorded it oh, yet oh, yes. uh, or, or anything like that because it's going to be totally super live. Absolutely uh, live. And you'll be able to listen to it very live. I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> Carry on. Um, Carry also, on. if you normally get your, your Coffee with Butterscotch episodes via the YouTube channel, uh, you're probably going to want to switch over to checking SoundCloud for this particular one. Otherwise, it's going to be delayed because it does take time for it to get uploaded to yeah, YouTube. It takes about an hour or two. Yeah. yeah. So if you check, if you check uh, just podcast.bsketch.net, the SoundCloud uh, file will be up there at 8 a.m. CDT, Friday, June 8th, Shenanah Jam. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, also, we're going to be doing some kind of a kick down event, some kind of a closing event. Uh, where we want to do something a little bit more okay. live. Okay. We don't know if this is technically feasible given our equipment. So this is sort of a tentative announcement. Mm-hmm. But we want to do a uh, sort of live Coffee with Butterscotch episode with people in the Butterscotch Discord. And, and we'll just be talking about the Shenanah Jam, how it went, take questions from people and stuff like that. Um, so... so I, we, well, don't, we don't know if it's going to work, but we're going to try to do it. We're going to try to do it. Yep. Worst case scenario, it doesn't turn into a podcast episode. It maybe just turns into sort of a group hang, mm-hmm. you know, which is pretty cool. Uh, also, last week, we had a series of epiphanies mm-hmm. about our workspace. And so we're making some some drastic changes. Yeah. So we, well, I guess the weird thing was that we've, for a long time, we've wanted to actually get out of Seth's basement. Yeah. And into a legit office space. And So the, for starters, why? What's, yeah, the, the, what's the downside of working in a person's basement? Well, so the downside largely has to do with uh, sort of feeling like as someone who comes into the space, so not Seth, that you are encroaching if it's outside of normal business. It's an normal access business, problem. Yeah, outside of normal business hours. You don't want to show up at two o'clock in the morning and be like, I just wanted to get some programming done. And then you just walk into someone's mm-hmm. house. And, and go down. <laughs> you know, Adam and I frequently come uh, early as much as like an hour, hour and a half early sometimes for our usual start time. And I always just kind of creep in. Because I, you know, I don't know what Seth's to do. I don't want to be like force might, him to I get I might be work. in the shower. Mm-hmm. I might be eating breakfast. Running around your, your morning naked sprints. That's yep. true. So I do those. Sometimes I'm journaling in the morning. And then naked? So naked. I'm, I, I'm frequently naked until the moment the clock starts well, for the work I think day. that's the hard thing. It's like Seth's general <laughs> level of nudity has been completely suppressed. It really, <laughs> really throws, yeah. off the, throws off the vibe. And on top of that, you have to do all the ministering. So... You know, we take out the trash, we make all the coffee, we get all the snacks, we do all this other stuff. And so there's just a lot of moving parts to, you know, having a bunch of people in your space basically all the time. So uh, we, we've always wanted to do this. And for whatever reason, our, our sort of previous metric for when we could was if we could just get a building, like actually buy a building, 
with whatever money we made from, say, the next two games or whatever else. And so in other words, we were thinking- Well, the rationale this, was the same as always. It was then we just keep it. Then it's ours now. It's just ours. We're not paying, we're not just spending money. We're actually putting money into something, mm-hmm. into an asset. Right. But it turns out- And that's an asset we have to maintain. That's yeah. a lot of work. So it's also, it's, it's, also requires an enormous upfront expenditure, you know, so- So we can't even do it. So we can't even do it until we have some really successful future title, which- Who knows? May or may not ever even happen. And so it's just been this kind of nebulous, maybe we'll have an office someday- Mm-hmm. But we couldn't actually act on it. So then uh, my wife's family came to visit and she wanted to show them her workspace. Uh, and so she she works with a company that is renting space kind of west of uh, where we live. And so we went over there and I went with her family to check it out. And I was looking at all their amenities and they've got whiteboard walls and everything. And it's just a space that they're renting. And I was looking at it and they were talking about it, like, oh yeah, custodial staff comes in and takes out the trash every night. And, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and I was just cafeteria like, cafeteria downstairs. There's a cafeteria a downstairs. There's a gym on site. And I was like, this was an option. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I came back to talk to the rest of the crew. And I was like, you guys fuck this whole buying a building idea. We just mm-hmm. got to find a space that we can afford that has enough, mm-hmm. that has the configuration we need. And now it's all these amenities, and then we're good. Yeah, because we were only thinking of buying a place or renting the way that you rent an apartment, where basically you still have to do all the work inside of your space. Right. You know? right. Yeah. Um, and we weren't thinking of the of that third option, where we rent a space and then also don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because which is the ideal scenario, because what we want to do 100% of the time is make games and stuff. Yep. Not manage buildings yes. time, time is your most precious commodity all mm-hmm. the time. And you use money to get more of it by making other people deal with your problems. Right. You you just, by existing, you create demands on people's time, mm-hmm. right? So either that's going to be demands on your time or, yeah, you find you use money to move those <laughs> move those problems into other right. people's camps. So we kind of realized that we were, this original idea of wanting the building was sort of, I mean, it's like a romantic thing, right? Which is like, oh yeah, our studio, we have the studio yeah, you walk building. into B-Scotch HQ, you mm-hmm. know, it's a standalone building, there's a giant emblazoned logo across the top of it. It's kind of like when you're driving down, uh, when you're in San Francisco and you go past the big Zynga building and they yeah. got the huge yeah. logo on there and it's almost entirely empty because they laid everybody off. But still, it's a super <laughs> nice- they bought a building. So, so they bought that building and they ran out of money. <laughs> But I think it's the thing is we, we sort of realized, uh, you know, we, we could get everything we ne- actually needed that would get us what's, what our purpose is, which is to make more games and stuff. Um, and that, that sort of want of the building was sort of this weird, I don't even know what it was, sort of like a. Well, it's, it's that it was a misunderstanding. So, you know, one of our principles is to maximize independence. There's right. this idea that like if you own a thing, then that's yours now and nobody can take it from you. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which is one way of maximizing your independence, sure. right? Is is if you rent something from somebody else or like, let's say you have a mortgage. Well, you know, if you have a mortgage, your house is owned by the bank and you're just, or rather, you know, your, your house is collateral. Mm-hmm. So if you fuck up that loan, the bank just gets to have your house now, right? right? And that's going to be true for the next 30 years until you finally pay the thing down. So you could say, well, this doesn't really maximize my independence because there's this thing sort of looming over mm-hmm. all of my decisions. Um, but on the flip side, buy, if you can buy it outright, then that's no longer true. Right. That's no longer true. Um, but it's also the case that, you know, one of the things that takes away your independence is losing time, mm-hmm. you know, losing control over where your time goes. And so it's not just about ownership. It's about what you get to do day yeah, by because day. Because as Fight Club taught us, the things you own end up owning you. Right. right? So, so you should own nothing. Mm-hmm. So if you have a house, then if it leaks, now you got to deal with that. 
Like that's your problem, right? Versus if you're renting, you are subservient to the pipes of your house now. Mm -hmm. Then you get to call someone and be like, hey, this is your problem because I'm paying you money. So you deal with this. Uh, And the thing is, of course, most people have bad experiences with renting, generally speaking, because it's just like any other thing, which is generally bad. So, well, things just break. Things break all the time. So uh, we're really excited about it because it's going to be sort of a move into uh, this professional workspace that we found where they take care of, they do all the, all of that sort of the general crap that you have to do if you're, uh, if you have an office that we have been doing in this house. Uh, and then also we get, you know, key card access 24 seven, we could do whatever we want. So, so you don't have to creep in out. and interrupt nude sprints. Exactly. Be naked as much as you want. Yeah. Yeah. Also. All right. So any, any other thoughts on office? No, no. Yeah. So I think I'm we'll pretty excited talk about, more about it once we kind of move in and figure out what it means. What it means. Yeah. And we, we've had some mixed experiences with this concept in the past. I think this is so, a different beast. But this is, this is the place that we found is seems very good. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of talk about it as we settle in. Uh, but we won't disclose it yet in case we need to disparage it. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're also going to be going to PAX, PAX West. We got tickets, mm-hmm. which was zany. How that whole thing worked. Yeah. So if you didn't get tickets yet, you're already out of luck. Yeah. So they, the whole way, they didn't warn you about when the tickets were going to go up. So people have just been watching and Adam checked the the dates in which they've debuted before. And it's anywhere from like a month ago to in a month in the future. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a two month window looking at the past history of when these things go on. They just randomly will show up and they don't, no announcement. They don't say like, Hey, we're going to start selling ticket tickets at, you know, 10 AM on Wednesday or else. There's none of that. They just put out a tweet basically. And then they send an email to anybody who's on the email list. And then essentially you have like 30 minutes from yeah. the time that the thing arrives. Before they sell out. So by the time we because got through. Scalpers largely. Yeah. But so, and they limit the number of tickets you can get. So um, by the time we got through, I think the Saturday passes were already gone. Well, no, we, because we each. We got a few. We of each opened up a window so we could each buy a couple of tickets. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, so Sam was in line before me and Seth were by maybe like five or 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um and so when he went through, he still could buy four tickets for all days. But both me and Seth, on, on my screen, Saturday was completely sold out. On Seth's screen, he could only buy up to two. But it turned <laughs> out he tried to, and it turned out that they were, they were sold out anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so probably, it was, it was probably that they sort of throttled down the number of tickets you could buy toward the end there, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of meter them out. It was crazy. But, so, uh, and then, yeah. and so, so the way that the whole system works is actually really interesting. I wonder from a web tech standpoint, because they basically, they put you in line. So you say like, get a ticket and then they're like, okay, you're in line. And then it just sits there on this page. It's like, don't refresh this page. And they're like, okay, so once this page turns over, you have eight minutes. So in other words, yeah. now you're just so watching they hold this. your spot in line basically. With, with literally no indication of how long it might be. Correct. You yeah, just no countdown or anything. So you're just sitting there and you know that it's, if you miss it, then, I mean, you have eight minutes to select all your tickets, do all your payment information, do confirmation, all that stuff, and, and, and you know, hit enter. And so it was a bit of a, like, it popped open all the windows, and then I was just sitting there. Yeah, you can't, you can't go do work because if you <laughs> yeah, get distracted. Yeah, so we just had to kind of wait for a while. <laughs> so, but we did get some tickets, so we will be going to PAX West. Yes. Um, so first, all right, so, so two points about this. One is we did, uh, we did submit a level head. Mm-hmm. To the PAX 10, but we don't know if we're going to get in. So right. we, uh, we just bought tickets just mm-hmm. in case. Cause we do want to go regardless. We yeah. do want to go. So the question is why do we want to go mm-hmm. to PAX? Yeah, we haven't, we haven't gone to an event sort of just as, as people. Yeah. You know, where we could just go and, and be people who love games and just go experience that. We've always been working booths and just kind of yeah. sweating bullets and mm-hmm. 
work yeah. in the so crowd. So if, if we get into PAX 10, we'll then have to do that again, of course. Yeah, but, but the neat thing about that, which is the new piece, is that we haven't also gone to a convention where we had a, like PAX, where we had a non-launched game. When we went to PAX yeah. with Crashlands, it was nine months out, yep. which is very much past the point where anybody in the press gives a shit about yeah. what we're doing. So there might be something interesting there as far as how the whole system yeah, it'll works. Be, it'll be another it. good experiment. Because what, when, what our, those listeners who've been with us for a long time will know that we mostly think that conventions are a waste of money mm-hmm. as a, as a, as an exhibitor. Uh, but that is with our, our only experience has been showing games that are already out or showing at very, very small conventions. Right. Where we and have so, much press activity. Right. And so th- this would be the first time if level does get in that we actually get to try that experiment and see mm-hmm. what happens. So yeah. that, that could be informative. And, and then otherwise, if not, uh, then we just get to go experience a massive convention as players and just kind of see, and we'll still of course go talk to, I'm, I'm excited that if, if we're not tethered to a booth, then we can just go talk to people. Yeah. Go yeah, talk that's, to that's devs. That's what I want to do, exactly. You know, because, yeah, so so much of the time, uh, we were there last time, it was just making sure that the booth was ready, you know, because we had three different devices running at a time. We had hundreds of people funneling through playing mm-hmm. Crashlands. And, um, yeah, and it was just a... Uh, I think we kind of overdid it, though. Yeah, in terms of yeah we approach. totally, we totally did. Yeah. So not this time. <sighs> not now this we're going to underdo it. Super hard. Yep. All right, then last uh, last thing we want to talk about this week is Levelhead, because we haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks because we've been kind of focusing mm-hmm. on the Shenanigan. Jam. So where is it? What is happening with it? So we're, we're going to a really interesting spot, which is that uh, all of the large holes that previously existed in the design are basically filled. Or conceptually filled. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're not necessarily mechanically complete in terms of actual programming time, but... Uh, or our time, but they're they're about there. So the biggest one uh, in the recent in the recent stuff was uh, the enemies. So you'll notice in that alpha trailer, there's just the vac rat, which is the little tiny uh, sort of rat vacuum thing that's chasing the player around. And but actually, I, in the trailer, it's not chasing the player; it's just wandering back and forth. Okay, yeah. so the behavior has changed since the yeah. trailer came out a few, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, and a big part of it was us trying to sort of conceptualize and figure out what are these enemies for? Like, what what's the point of having an enemy in a platforming game and and so what, what makes at, it different from just like a spike mm-hmm. or a saw blade or a hazard right. and so i think a big part of it was uh sort of us we, we basically did some really rough prototyping for i guess three or four days where we we seth put in some really beautiful you know square art oh yeah and uh got the enemies sort of programmed up so that they worked the way we thought they should and what we found is that we needed to hit a level of complexity with them where they felt like something that was slightly intelligent and also that like wanted you dead, right? In yes. a way that was very different from how the hazards work, where they're just kind of doing their thing. You yeah, know? the difference between an enemy and a saw blade is that the the saw blade doesn't care whether you beat the level or not. Mm-hmm. The enemy exists to stop you. Yeah, and so, so it, it does things reacting to what you do, and it tries to get you. Mm-hmm. And then we have this the secondary problem, which is uh, the scale popping question. So. Uh, scale popping and level head is where if you if you put multiple of the same type of object right next to each other inside of the editor, then they sort of merge into a bigger version of that thing. And so you see this in the alpha gameplay with things like the spikes. Um, and we've also now added it to other hazards like the floating saws, uh, the cannons now do the same thing. And so you can have this really amazing thing happen where, you, you know, you draw this three by three grid of cannons and then it turns into this this mega thing. Um, which is super fun, and which also wasn't in the trailer. Wasn't in the trailer because it wasn't done yet. So uh, <laughs> it's just blazing forward. Yeah. So the question was, you know, how does this can this apply to enemies, and how how might it apply to enemies? And so we did a bunch of fiddling with that, and, and managed to get it to a point where where it does indeed work for most of the enemies. Uh, do 
take part in the same sort of system. And so you, you know, you'll draw sort of four vac rats in a, in a square and then they pop into a big one. And, and then the, the HP of that particular one goes up and it has slightly different behaviors. And so what ended up happening is that each one of those enemies had to be complex enough that when it got scaled up and got more HP, that it actually felt like a legit boss fight. Yeah. So, so now you basically have like regular versions of every enemy. Then you've got a mini boss version, which is, you know, it's a little bit harder to deal with and it takes a few hits. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a boss version of the enemies where they, they take Right now they take six hits to mm-hmm. dispatch and they move fast as shit mm-hmm. and they, yeah, they're just real crazy. And so we, we kind of hit this design conception of, you know, what are the enemies for? And in other, in other general platforming games, a lot of times the enemies are actually just platforming elements, if that makes sense. They're so, there to help you win. Right. Like so, you bounce off their heads and it's like, I did it. They're like yeah. a spring, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of them aren't super aggressive in the same sense that I think the closest one you could kind of find parody with is the Hammer Bros in Super Mario, where... They're, you can't really use them as a as a platforming tool. Like they're just trying to murder you. Yes, you know they're just they basically throw projectiles at you constantly. Um, and ours end up having way more of a vibe similar to that. Or, or yeah, you know, I've been trying to figure out what games are are similar, but um, been having a hard time as far as picking the the it's, paradigm. I mean, the thing about level head is is of course I think just like how Crashlands we started by by pulling a lot of elements from other existing games that we knew about. And then as we developed it, it just morphed into its own thing, mm-hmm. right? So we're starting to see that same thing happen with Levelhead, where at the beginning, probably the first 40 or so elements that we put in there were things that were that had direct analogs to other platforming games. Um, and now that we've kind of gotten past that point, now we're just getting all kinds of interesting stuff in there. It's mm-hmm. like, it just is its own thing. Right, and then the very next piece of that is actually the wiring system. So, you know, we've had in the in the trailer, you see the switches and levers that end up coming into play. So you can attach a uh, lever on the ground to a door or to a variety of other elements. And uh, when you switch it, door gets powered, and then that happens. Now, the, the problem with this previously was that all this was handled through numbers that were just drawn onto the object. So, yeah, so you'd have a switch, like a lever, that would be a lever with an ID of zero, and then a door would also have an ID of zero. And those were drawn on top of those things. And yeah. the problem is that this becomes extremely difficult to just parse, right? You can't yeah. look at it and quite understand how the machine works. Yeah. And also, if if you look at a lever in one area of the level, you don't really know whether there's another object somewhere else in the level that the lever is talking to unless you just pan way the fuck over there mm-hmm. to look at everything in the level, right? And so this so, is kind of a confusing mechanism. Yeah. And so, you know, Adam and I played a lot of uh, Terraria back in the day. And that game has a wiring system in it where they basically have the, it's functionally, it works the same as, as our previous system did, where you just attach a switch to a thing. And when the switch was flipped and the thing got powered and something would happen, uh, but you do so by laying down an actual wire track. And there's something very satisfying about, you know, like putting down your grid of stuff and powering something and then checking the switch and seeing it flip. And so uh, last week we had a little discussion about it and decided to basically rip out the our current version of the switch ID system and replace it with a wiring system, which Seth is now prototypes and it's sort of getting to a point where we're going to shove it in there. So that'd be really exciting because I think it's, it's about being able to, you know, if you send a screenshot of it, or even if someone just is working on level with you or whatever else, um, and you guys, you, you can actually see visually what is happening, which makes it just so much easier yeah. to understand. So now when you see a lever, you'll see a wire coming off of it. And that wire is like going way off to the right. And you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. the lever is controlling something way over there. Right. right? And you, then you go look at it. As opposed to just maybe it's controlling it, maybe right. not. And that's that's if you're in the editor, right? So you, you will yeah. you only see the wires in the editor. Players won't actually see them. Yeah, the, play, the players will have to explore your level and flip switches and stuff to figure out what is connected to mm-hmm. what. Um, so that's 
exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing is I think once we get uh, that wiring system beefs up and then we have a few more enemies to go, two more, um, we're going to be in a weird spot where we got enough of the stuff. All the holes are going to be kind of filled. Yeah. Each of these is a pretty big system though. So it's mm-hmm. going to be some, some work. Um, and then one other system that we have that also didn't exist in the trailer is secret areas, mm-hmm. yeah. which this is the, I think was the, one of the easiest things to implement actually. And it's going to have some of the bigger consequences on the game, yep. uh, which is you ever, you ever play uh, like Zelda or, you know, like shit, I don't know, even I guess, I mean, any Metro, yeah, Metroid had yeah. this, you know, uh, games where some walls that seem solid, you can either like blow them up or you can just like walk through them and mm-hmm. get into some kind of a hidden room that's full of goodies of some kind or whatever. So we thought, well, we want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so we added, so we added two separate kinds of, of mechanisms. One is just sort of like a backdrop. So you can kind of make it feel like there's an enclosed space. And then there's an actual secret area, which you can, it, it looks exactly like the terrain. So if you're, if you notice in the trailer for level head, as you build the terrain out, it becomes trees and foliage and stuff. So the secret areas talk to the rest of the terrain and they mask themselves to look exactly, exactly like, exactly like those. So it'll look like a tree trunk or whatever. And it fits with the rest of the terrain. Uh, and then when you push up against it, you just go right through it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and so you can, and then, and then it, it becomes transparent in that particular area. So you can see if there's like a cavern full of coins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also use this to create fake platforms mm-hmm. or fake terrain. So somebody will jump thinking that they're going to be landing on a real uh, mm-hmm. on real terrain and then it turns out it's a it's like a secret fall through thing and they just well, go right and one of the funny discussions we had because Seth got it prototyped up and uh, after discussing it and it was clearly fun and cool to use but one of the big questions was like the people are going to be dicks with this like they're going to be just putting fake le- you're going to have platforms. trap adventure style levels yeah. basically and yeah. the thing is uh, the truth and we, we talk about a little bit is you know should we should we let this happen should we not and the thing is the, the power of the secrets is just too good I think to, to mm-hmm. go to waste but then on top of that, all the stuff we've made, you could be a total asshole with any piece of it and just like, just cover the level in cannons, just cover it in huge enemies. You know, if someone makes a bad level because they're a troll, then the secrets wasn't the thing holding them back, you know? Yeah. yeah but also, you know, we, we have to try to balance that, making sure we put enough awesome stuff in the game to make it so you can do really cool stuff, mm-hmm. despite the fact that you can also be a dick. Yes. But then make it so that when people are being a dick, then there's no real reward for that, which right. is already the case with, because we have a, uh, I guess it's not like fully fleshed out, but we have a whole rating system and all mm-hmm. this stuff so that we can make sure that stuff that people really enjoy is what you actually see right. when you want to go play. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's all about making it easy to find the good levels. Yeah. And if people want to make shit levels, which like Sam said, they, they will. just will. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even if, even if all we had was a spike yep. and terrain and a goal, people would somehow make troll levels mm-hmm. out of that. So yeah. that's fine. You know, and there's actually going to be an entire group of people who, Seek those levels out. They are fun. You know? That's the thing. As yeah. long as you know it's beatable, it is actually quite fun. Usually. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, a big part of the of the entertainment value is trying to find the ways that the creator of the level was trying to fuck with you, and then sort of like mm-hmm. yep. get around it. Right. You know. Uh, so we have all kinds of cool stuff happening. Uh, I think we're learning a lot about how to build this kind of a game, mm-hmm. and it's really coming into its own. So uh, we'll be talking more about it as things progress. All right. Last news item. Probably the most important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess Sam harvested some spinach this weekend. Yep, I did. So, you know, this this garden was my white whale. 
of uh, this year, which was on top of sort of developing an actual sort of a Moby Dirt situation. Yes. <laughs> so, so on top of developing a consistent art practice, which is the thing I sort of always told myself, uh, like I was sort of general had, had this internal narrative uh, from various sources, which basically said that I wasn't disciplined enough to do anything. Okay. So part of my thing this year was just to say, shut the fuck up. It's 2018. It's 2018. I don't care anymore. I'm going to make my own narrative. So I uh, was developing a consistent art habit. And then the other one was essentially, it's the same sort of flavor, but in the ground, which is uh, taking the time to figure out how to actually garden stuff and, and, you know, make this garden. So anybody who's been following along in the last couple of months has heard the stories in various contexts. So, um, you know, I put a fence up, mulched it, all this, all this stuff. And finally this weekend went and... Uh, harvested not one but two baskets full of spinach from my oh my god from the whale carcass that is in my yard and now what uh oh, you got smoothies. a lot of spinach yeah. <laughs> well, it was great. i mean the thing is like it wasn't that much because it's just a little tiny plot um we made i think each time we just make a smoothie with but you harvested because it was just our stuff so mm-hmm. then diana my wife went out there with me yesterday and we you know clipping stuff and it just takes like a minute, but it's super fun. And then we come back and make a smoothie out of it. And, it was and just, you're like, oh my God, all this shit that we have been buying from the grocery store. It just comes out of the it ground. It just comes out of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really fun. And and uh, it, for me also, it's just a nice, it's a nice, it's a much more of a significant moment, I think for me than probably anybody else could possibly care about in terms of like, yeah, you harvested two buckets of spinach. Who cares? whoop de do. It's not about the spinach. You know what I mean? It's about that you grew something out of the ground, kept it alive long yes. enough that you could- Eat it. Deflected pests and rabbits from it. Mm-hmm. And then trimmed it and ate it. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Nice. Great work, Sam. Did the thing. And Adam, you got some, you harvested some kale. I harvested some kale. Yeah. It was, we had so much, it was stupid. Yeah, because it, you know, it's one of those things, if, if you're a really practiced gardener or an actual farmer, right, you know all about the whole season thing and then mm. things kind of like, happen at the same time. And of course, sure. if you're a farmer, your whole thing is, I'm going to harvest it all at once and sell it to people because mm-hmm. you can sell an infinite amount of stuff to everybody else. Everybody else can just have a small amount, exactly how much they want. It's mm-hmm. perfect, you know? But if you're going to go make your own little little farmland and you're growing it for yourself, then now all of a sudden you have infinite of one thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just all of a sudden. And so now you got to figure like out- Kale fountain just exploded. It just yeah. keeps making yeah, kale. all of our kale just had become enormous and we, and we needed to cut it back. I mean, everybody has that one friend who's growing some kind of a food. <laughs> and they, just, they just keep dumping like, oh, I got 40 onions for you today. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Right. I, I, I don't need it. But got- it lasts for this little short window of time. You know? so mm-hmm. it's, kind, yeah. it's kind of this weird thing because we also have, uh, there's, a, there's a fruit in native to Missouri called a pawpaw, which I didn't even know existed until I moved here and it turned pawpaw. out there was one in our yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this fucking tree, it makes it so it's this weird, like mango-y kind of it's like a banana. Bana- mango. It's like a banana mango. It's very weird. Banango. Banango. <laughs> uh, so it makes this weird ass fruit, but the fruit is already in this about a two-week span of time. And outside of that, it's all just rotten. Now. How many pounds of fruit do you think it bears? Uh, I don't know. Last year we easily pulled off like 40 pounds worth of, of fruit, but we didn't we didn't even know it was happening because it just we started to smell like kind of rotting fruit. Like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. And we came to the back and there was just a layer of these things on the ground because we weren't there for the first few days where they had started to get too ripe. And now they're fermenting. And, and now they're fermenting. So, we, get, so we're like, we had to throw away. That's how you we get drunk away, squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> we had to throw away tens of pounds of the stuff, you know? And we started harvesting the rest, but we just had so much of it. It was just, hmm. it was just outrageous. But it only lasted <laughs> for this two week period of time. 
And and then, and then Jenny comes over. She's like, I made you some paw paw butter. Yeah, because we had to do something that was more. <laughs> it had to be more permanent, you know. So you guys probably looked up and you know, you're like, what? The, what do you do with paw paw? Yeah. What can you make out of this? Right. Well, that's what I did. So then I harvested all this kale, and I was like, we can't. We're not going to eat this much kale, right. you know. Kale and, butter. Uh, so we made. Well, we just made. We made. <laughs> ka- we made kale chips. You know? Oh yeah, super good. They're super good, but also they shrink a lot. Yeah, because all the water. Comes Interestingly, out of them. what makes kale chips good is the same thing that makes potato chips good. Yes, yeah, which salt, is all the salt, salt and oil. Because yeah. mm-hmm. potatoes don't really taste like anything. Yeah, yeah. it tastes like potato chips. Yeah, yeah. Then we had, but we had like we had these herbs and stuff that were now just like just growing out of control. That we had to trim back anyway. And then we're like, the fuck do we do with, with this all these? stuff? So we were just googling things and making all. We made a whole bunch of shit yesterday. Maybe you should start like a drying zone somewhere in your basement. We like, need yeah, yeah, we dried stuff in the oven, but we need a proper yeah drying setup. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, you do. But it is funny. Yeah, but it is funny. Like, I, I know people who, do, who take this stuff really seriously and are trying to, like, you know, they get their seasonal fruits and stuff, mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're planting things so that any given week there's some new thing coming up yeah. that they can go harvest. And they, they kind of plant enough of each thing so that they have kind of the amount you would want for that, you know, one week window or whatever when the thing is ready to be harvested. And then they put it in preserves and stuff, yeah. and then yeah. it lasts them all you year. Could, you, could, you could take your whole life and be doing that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Pretty cool. Well, it's good. You don't even have, you don't. None of us have a huge plot of land by any stretch, too. No, like my, my garden is about maybe six by ten feet, I yeah, think. Something like that. Oh, that's pretty good size. Though. Pretty good size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Look at you guys. Ah, growing just, things. Just growing things just out of the stuff. ground. It's fun. It's good. Yeah, we're about to have infinite beans. I don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah, we're going to have a we're going to have a lot of beans. <laughs> but Wait a minute, some window of time. We're just going to be a fucking torrential downpour. Of oh no! <laughs> Wait, if both of you are going to have infinite beans, I know we can't even give them to each other. Yep, that means you're going to. That get means all I'm going to get. It's like an osmosis. Thing. I'm going to get go covered to the, in beans. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> all right. Anyway, all right, okay, well, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, so if you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, go over there, put your question in the text box. First question comes from Anonymous. What's the best advice you can give to a startup indie company that's bootstrapping its finances? Mm, move very quickly. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole thing. Yeah, and move to a place that is as cheap as you can Yes. Manage. Don't don't assume that anybody will care about anything you make mm-hmm. at the beginning. In no, fact, assume that they won't. Assume that they won't because that's because they won't. Generally, how it works. Mm-hmm. This really is if you're starting anything, actually. Yes. Yeah. When you first start out, uh, you, you you know people say the proof is in the pudding. You got no pudding yet. Even if you had pudding, no one's looking at. No it. one's gonna look at. No that one's pudding. gonna look for proof yeah. in there. You need to have so much pudding the people that like, people are drowning in pudding, mm-hmm. and they're yeah. just like, I can't breathe. I am. In mortal yep. danger. And feel free to leverage existing platforms to pull people into your pudding. So whether that's <laughs> hopping on hashtags and stuff like Instagram or Twitter or whatever else. Like in that initial phase, like we we do badmouth Twitter and a bunch of other social media stuff. But in that initial phase when you have nobody, it's some of the – that earliest sort of phase is one of the places where that social media stuff is actually useful to get a few people matriculated into yes. your system. So. So you got to think, nobody wants to dive into an empty swimming pool, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to fill that swimming pool with pudding. Yep. Then uh-huh. <laughs> and then people come in and like dive people in like, there. This seems nice. And, they and then they proof. get in there. Yeah. You know, that's where the proof is. Mm-hmm. But if there's no pudding, nobody's going to jump in. Yeah. Right? So I say that and then yeah, move very quickly. So don't take a lot of time making decisions about stuff because you just don't. Time is not your friend. You need to, you need to, you need to be biased toward action. Mm-hmm. I mean, the example, I mean, last week we, when we went and did this tour of the space, it was on Friday. Uh, 
and you know the, the guy who's giving us the tour for this potential office said, oh, you know, when do you guys think you can move into the space? And I said, well, if we want it, then literally immediately. And he was like, he's like, oh, okay, when are you going to know? And I was like, in about an hour. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> and he's kind of chuckled, and then you know, he went to his back to his office. We went down inside the cafe, discussed everything. And then came back up and I was like, I need the papers for that room. And he was like, what? <laughs> Do you want the quote also? Yes. Send us the quote and the paper. <laughs> I want it. Um, and so we, we, we've tried to stick to that level of, you know, bias reduction and to momentum and that sort of thing. And I think it's just really just don't spend too much time deliberating. Yeah. So a while back, we, quite a while back, um, we had a conversation about the concept of satisficing versus yes. maximizing. And so uh, when it comes to starting up a company, you're going to want to, you're going to want to lean toward the satisficing side on everything except for like whatever the key little product pieces are. Yeah. We have to, you have to recognize that because you're new to the scene, you don't really know what's best Mm -hmm. and you don't, and and you never will actually, but you especially don't know at the very beginning because you just don't, you haven't seen enough stuff. And so if you're trying to, if you're always sort of consternating over every decision being like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this? Well, what can I be doing differently? Then you're going to spend so much more time just worrying uh, and less time doing stuff. And then you got no pudding. Mm-hmm. And if you got no yeah. pudding, you're, you're, you're screwed. You're doomed, so yeah. our next question comes from five iron. What are your pets names? My cat's name is Dr. Fluff and Fluffstein PhD. <laughs> <laughs> what is his PhD in or hers? Uh, I guess like shitting in sand. <laughs> <laughs> Cats don't have a lot of slapping skills. things off shelves. <laughs> yeah. They're really good at, uh, understanding potential energy. Mm-hmm. Yes, true. and its conversion into kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so PhD in in applied that. physics, applied, applied physics, <laughs> applied physics, <laughs> and murder and murder. Uh, my dog's name is Yogi, which is short for yogurt. And the thing is, we had picked the name that I wanted for a dog before we got the dog. He's actually black, mainly. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, he's got like a bit of white, so it's kind of like stuff. a very dark blueberry yogurt. Uh, so dark that it's black, perhaps. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Or maybe yogurt was or short blackberry for blackberry yogurt, I guess, would be mm-hmm. a <laughs> maybe yogurt is short for yo Gertrude. Yeah. Yo, that's, that's very true. Yo, Gertrude. <laughs> very good name. Uh but the nice thing about it, so Yogi is, you know, also like a holy man who takes the takes the sort of woes of others into themselves, you know, which I think is really good. That for is a what dog. a dog does. <laughs> they just absorb angst from their environment. So he's been great. Um I think it's been a very fitting name, despite the fact that it was randomly chosen. Yeah, everything makes sense backwards, so don't worry. Yeah, our yeah, you always you always justify and rationalize things in retrospect. Well, it's funny because so. I told one of my friends like, oh yeah, his name's Yogurt, and I hadn't told her that they just named the dog before I even got it. Uh, I never saw it, and she's like, oh, is it because that white patch on his face looks like he's dipped his nose in yogurt? And I was like, yep, yep, <laughs> that is the that's thing. A, that's a great explanation. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, put that in my pocket. So my dog's name is Coco, which was the name that she had when we picked her up from the rescue shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had been abandoned or something by some, I don't know, people, people apparently do this where when they move, they just like leave their pet outside. They just like open the gate and they're like, bye. And so that's pretty fucked up. Uh, so this was, so she was about six months old. It was the middle of January. So it was like sub zero temperatures. She somehow made it and, uh, she got rescued and they took her in the shelter and we went there and she was the only dog that wasn't a pit bull of some kind. Hmm. And we lived in an apartment where they disallowed, quote, aggressive breeds, which includes pit which bulls. Which bullshit, yeah. but yes. Uh, so, so she was the only dog that we even could have gotten. And she had, she, when she was found, she had a collar that had the name Coco on it. And so we were just like, that'll work. 
So we just <laughs> we just kept it. So Yogurt's nice. original name was Eli, but we never speak of it. You know, came from yeah. the previous <laughs> whoever dropped him off at the pound. We're like, he's been reborn like mm-hmm. a like, like a small hairy phoenix. <laughs> uh, yeah, our cat's name is New Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, because <laughs> yes, because when we adopted her, her name was Glitter, which I just hated. <laughs> yeah, that's... and uh, and so so I just needed a name for her like immediately with the problem. <laughs> but but you know, like you want a good name, so I was just mm-hmm. like, I just I needed something to put on her paper. She was also the second cat. She was the second cat, so mm-hmm. she was just the new cat. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I got the new cat, and I just <laughs> I just called her new cat. You know, temporarily while while I was working to come up with a better name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it just just never did. <laughs> And so, so then I just, I was like, okay, I'm just going to own this. And then I just respelled it to N-U-K-A-T. Mm-hmm. So now, now it was clearly intentional. Yeah. New instead cat. Instead of just a thing that happened on accident. I like mispronouncing it to make her angry sometimes. Nugget. Yeah. She gets very upset. <laughs> so this, this gets confusing when you bring a new kitten into the house. Yeah, who would. is clearly the new cat. Although we would just call it the newer cat. Newer cat. N-U-E-R-K-A-T. Or maybe noir cat. Noir cat. Yes. It had to be, it'd it'd be sort black. of black and white. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But, or, yeah. or it could just not be. We could still call it Norcat. Because yeah. if it's just very moody. Now, I, I think know. the great thing about pet names is, as with almost all things, the pets do not give a fuck. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, cats, cats don't respond to most things in general. And then dogs, you can, their name is just like, oh, that's the word that people use a lot when I'm in the room. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. usually means there's treats yep. somehow sort of around, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, you can change a dog's name in like two days. Yeah, it took our dog. It took literally a day and a half, and then he just was responding. They have they give zero shits. They have no sense of identity. <laughs> They're just like, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. Honestly, this is great. Live in the present. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, Actually, next, you should embrace that. Anytime you're trying to come up with a game, a game handle of some sort, you know, when you're or like a, a character name when you're going to treat it like a dog name or a treat cat like a dog name. name. Just, just take something and just don't fucking worry about it. I used to agonize over it a bunch until yeah. Seth made the name. We played World of Warcraft. It was like Wobblobdoo or something. Yeah, and then I made Wadoopadoop. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I guess I don't care either. And so I just <laughs> put like a random one in there. And now I just, my names for things happen in like 30 seconds yeah. and they're completely yeah. random. Yeah. <laughs> but one of my favorite character names I ever had was I, I made a dwarf paladin named ZBDG. Mm-hmm. Z It was like Z-E-E-B-E-E-D-E-E-G-E. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I fucking love this name. ZBDG. I did though. I, my, I had a, a monk named Stoglobobdob, <laughs> which <laughs> unfortunately. It's hard to spell. It's S-T-O-G-L-O. B O B D O B Stoglobobdob. But uh when I would talk to people on voice chat, they just couldn't they just couldn't handle it. So <laughs> I had to, it. I had to shorten it? it to Stogs. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. So you know. But uh I think it's important to have a name, especially in gaming, that just really disorients people. Mm-hmm. It's yep. part of the strategy. It's yeah. how you win, you know. It's kind of like when people say like when you when you enter a room. You know, you're supposed to like stand in a certain way. Mm-hmm. You got to like lean. Known. You got to lean on the table. You got to make yourself large. Mm-hmm. That's also a good strategy when dealing with bears. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, Scream a lot. Put your hands above your head. Be huge. Blow, yeah. Blow on whistles. I but think. In, in online <laughs> games, bear mace. Yep. you know, in an online <laughs> game, you can't control your posture. You can't control how imposing your character mm-hmm. behaves. But you can control your name. You can control your name. So you need to, you need to use your name to dominate mm-hmm. other people's sort of sense of security yep, yep. by just having a really long, incomprehensible name, <laughs> yep. then you win. 
Man, and it doesn't work if it seems like you're trying too hard. So if you use the classic gamer tagging system of just having intimidating words, then it doesn't actually work. No, or it needs, a lot to, of be, it needs to be yeah. completely nonsensical words, yeah. things mm-hmm. that have never been spoken before and, it should, it and should, never will be spoken again. Right. It should sort of lean toward cutesy even because mm-hmm. that's where the real power moves are. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's horrifying when someone's bearing down on you and their name is just... Wadoop-a-doop. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, my like, God. Wadoop-a-doop just crushed me 39 <laughs> times in that last This guy night. does not give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just like how scary it is when you're watching a horror movie and there are scary children. Yep. Scary children are way scarier than scary parts. You know? It's horrifying on a whole yes. other level. Yeah. It's because there's a wrongness to it, you know? It's not even about being evil. Yeah. It's like a deep wrongness. Yeah. So the, the true power move is be as cute as possible. Mm-hmm. And be very confusing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how you. That's how you win at StarCraft. That's how you win. That's how you win at anything. That's how you win at life. Mm-hmm. Probably legally change my first name to Stargazabobdab. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. All right. Next question comes from I am Cade. What is the worst job you've ever had? Ooh. The worst job. The worst job you've by, ever had. By which metric? I guess it's an interesting. Metric. I have. All right. So I got. While you guys ponder, yours definitely. You probably have the worst. I've got. Job, a, I've got the worst job on. Most metrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I worked as a, as a catering supervisor oh, yeah. at a baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happens at baseball stadiums, for those unfamiliar with the sort of s- the shady underbelly of catering, is people contract the stadium to rent out space to host parties before the game. Usually large companies, sometimes more rarely, things like family reunions or, or high school or college reunions or whatever. Um, and these parties can range from, you know, inside the building, there will be nice air conditioned suites with, Mm. you know, corporate executives and they'll, you know, serve, they'll serve all kinds of fancy stuff to their clients. Presumably hors d'oeuvres and tapas. Mm -hmm. Yes. You mean hors 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 d'oeuvres. That's the official pronunciation. Um, and then on the, on the alternative, you will have people renting just areas of the parking lot, mm. which are all up for grabs. People just rent out like a certain section of this parking lot. We'd put up a tent and they might have a thousand people at one of these parties. And it's just beer and burgers and hot dogs, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so uh, on any given day, I w- so I was a supervisor. So I had a bunch of uh, sort of people working under me who they, they would each man one of the parties. And then I would be the person who would be sort of the the point person on site to make sure that all the food got where it needed mm-hmm. to go, that all the guests were happy. So I had to be roaming around all these parties. It was middle of the summer too. So it's hot as shit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and every day I would come home just covered in beans, <laughs> covered in beer. Uh, and it was also the case that like my, my work shift would end when the game ended. Like 9 PM or something. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then you can't fucking leave because you ever try to leave a baseball game? There's 30,000 people uh, yeah. all trying to leave at the same time. And so so even though my work would end, I, I, I couldn't, even though I lived 15 minutes away, I couldn't get home for two hours. So I found an IHOP that was like one block away. And I would just walk over there and I would just read for a couple hours mm-hmm. eating pancakes, then walk back after the traffic cleared and then mm-hmm. go home, which was a pretty good thing. But yeah, I mean, people, most of my customers were just, unbelievably drunk baseball fans, mm-hmm. which, you know, you get enough of those people together and just all bets are off in terms rowdy. of rowdy. Yeah. Not much I also good. learned some interesting things about food. Mm. Uh, 
So, <laughs> I don't know if I should say. I don't, if, I don't know if I should say how this works. Are you under NDA? I don't, yeah, I don't think you're under any agreements. Uh, all right. So here's so here's the deal. There are known <laughs> rules about about the health code of food items, mm-hmm. and they're perishable items. And restaurants or uh, baseball stadiums or whatever, they're not just going to throw a hot dog away just because it was already served to somebody else. You okay. meant like, like in a pile. Yeah. Like, so right, so you, know, you know, you've got like, you got your catering thing. You've got the big like bucket of hot dogs that's mm-hmm. being heated. Right. And there's a certain maximum amount of time that the food can be outside of the safe zone of like where bacteria can live. Mm-hmm. Right. And they will keep reserving that food until it reaches that threshold. Mm. So if you go to a baseball uh, stadium and let's say, let's say there's been like five home games in a row. Cause the way baseball teams play oh, is they no. go day one, two, three, four, yep. five. If you're catering a party on day five, you might be eating a burger that has been served at a party on every day prior <laughs> that nobody has eaten yet. They could keep it for five days. Yeah. They keep it hot. Um, and then they just, they put it back in the freezer wow. overnight and then they thaw it in the morning and then they heat it up again. Right. And so. I wonder they always taste like cardboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they've been. Thawed. They've reheated, been. Thawed. Yeah. Your, your burger has been on an adventure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned some things. Yeah. Uh, it was a. I guess what was your best takeaway? From I guess that? it also explains the high price because so much energy has gone That's into it. That's true. Into <laughs> it takes a lot of time to heat a burger for five days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, here, here's, the takeaway. here's the thing. It was my worst job in the sense that I worked like 60 hours a week, just on my feet the whole time, covered in drunk people, covered in beans, covered in, <laughs> covered in beer, uh, running from party to party, you know, all that stuff. So it was the worst in terms of sort of like bang for my buck, like effort for payoff. Mm. Cause I was paid pretty close to minimum wage for this. Uh, and this was in Iowa, right? This was in uh, Wisconsin. 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 Yeah. What was minimum wage at that time? Uh, minimum wage was like seven. Okay. I think I, I think it's I got, I think I got uh, like eight or nine. So okay. I was, I was, it was down there. Cause you're supervising. You know? I was supervising yeah. the people who were making minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So I got the big bucks. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think it was actually one of the most important things I ever did hmm. because up until that point, my jobs had been, I was a lifeguard. I had worked at a grocery store, you know, th- like these are jobs that, uh, are generally pleasant. Yeah. You know, like if you're working in a grocery store, you're like you're, you're stocking shelves and stuff like that. And you're just like beeping things on the mm-hmm. register. And Customers aren't drunk when they come a in. A lot of them are, but, but then they leave <laughs> yep. and it's fine. You know, right. you don't, you don't have to hang out there for, an you hour. don't have a thousand of them all drunk around you for a whole hour mm-hmm. or three. Uh, they come in, they're drunk, they buy something and they leave. And you're like, Oh, I'm glad that's over. And then you move on to the next <laughs> nice part of your day, you know? Um, and like that, that job actually made me think like it, it really sunk in for me. Like I need to figure out how to make more money <laughs> in a way that isn't this. Right. 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 So, so actually up to that point, I had been kind of like kind of fucking around in college mm-hmm. and not really, and it, like I was just going cause I was told that I was supposed to go. Right. And then when I did this job, I was like, Oh, this is why, like, this is why I need to get better at things and get an education because otherwise I'm going to be just coming home covered in beans and beer every yeah. day yeah, and barely paying the bills. Yeah, yeah. My, my mentor is now a, a really good programmer, runs his own company. He, he had an English degree and his whole, the whole joke he had was he, uh, the only job he wanted was one where he didn't have to take a shower immediately afterward to yes. be like a presentable person because he, he worked for like two years loading trucks. 
right yep. after college because it couldn't, the English degree couldn't get a job. Even this was like 20 years ago. And, uh, and then worked at a bank, which was like to him, the best thing ever. He was a teller, right. Or was working on like, the credit card line. So he's kind of like the f- very lowest person on yeah, the totem lowest pole. person. Uh, but he loved it because. Because you're not unloading trucks. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, he had perspective. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think my, my worst job, um, and I didn't, I didn't do one full time for more than essentially like a summer capacity. Uh, which I think is one of the lucky things about, you know, growing up with a good amount of privilege like we did, which is that most of these things were, were these sort of temporary stays where you see these things as opposed to like a years long slog. Yeah, yeah. So mine was, uh, it was, it's a, it's a mixed bag for me because I love to work because it was outdoors. So like a similar sort of thing, like very physical dealing with people sometimes, but, um, it was kind of just a lot in terms of what was happening, which was, I was working as a conservation effort to essentially like redo and clean up this kind of uh, dilapidated lake in our hometown. And it was just a, just a shitload of like hauling stuff. Um, and it's all wet and covered in was, leeches. Yeah, and- <laughs> just lake stuff going on. And then the worst one was uh, we had to go remove this, this plant called cow's tongue from the prairie. And it's an invasive plant. And not only that, but essentially it has this, this chemical inside of it that if you break it, you break any part of the plant, it will just spray a little bit of this chemical around. And if it gets on you, then it will essentially uh, react with sunlight and burn the shit out of you. Cool. So that I don't sounds, know. Yeah, <laughs> it's horrible. And the thing is like, we had to go remove all this stuff and you look out and there's this field that it was a little prairie thing, like probably half of a football field. And they're like, yeah, we just, just need to remove all the, the cows from this area. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at it and there's just, there's like a thousand of these. Yeah. <laughs> and they gave us this little tiny tool where like to get the roots out, like you're supposed to go up to each one and like put it right down to the bottom. Yeah, and I was like, I'm going to be here it. for six months. Like, I don't, they're going to grow back up. I don't know what you want. So I just put on some, put on a long sleeve shirt and some gloves and I just weeded it. Just ripped them out. I just went and I weeded the whole, it took me three days and <laughs> weeded the whole thing. And the other two people who were with me refused to do it. Because they were they, like the first day they had gotten a little bit of stuff on them. They got burned. So burned. So we finished it. And so you just did the whole thing. Basically did the whole thing. And then uh, you know, a day later, my face. was <laughs> 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 just like I had just, you like, just have chemical burns. Yeah, like because they make these big blisters. And so I had these like face blisters. I looked like a Quasimodo sort of situation. <laughs> it lasted for like four or five days because like they blister out and then they kind of go back in. and got heal but, eventually. Um, yeah, and then I had some like my where my shirt had sort of come up as I was working. I had just like a bunch of them on my arms and stuff. And it was just, it was just gross. And then we had to rip out a barbed wire fence. Um, and again, the two people with me didn't really want to do it. So I was also, this was part of the thing. Is like, what did they do? They didn't do that. <laughs> so that, was, that was part of the problem. Is that, ah, city kids. Yeah, it was me and know? three other people. And they, yeah, they were city kids. They didn't really want to deal with these things. They so, would deal with nature. Yeah. So I had barbed wire fence. Ripping out a barbed wire fence and then hauling it like a hundred yards using a pole that we found. So we would bail up the barbed wire and then put it on the edge of this pole. And then I'd carry the pole across my back like a donkey, basically. <laughs> and they would load up like a, you know, 50 pounds of barbed wire. And then I'd walk it up a hill. And you're like, don't worry. It's very stable because it's embedded in my skin. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I'm not going to so, drop it. It's not good. That was one of those, like it was, but I, I also love to work because it's outdoor stuff, which is always like, there's a weird niceness to doing outdoor work because it's done. Right. Like you yeah. rip out that thing and it's done. You don't have to. Yeah. I mean, with, with, the, it. with the stuff that I was doing, it was, I really enjoyed the challenge of it. Yeah. Like when they'd go, all right, you got 10 parties today with 1800 people between them. <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but yeah, there, it reaches a point where, like you said, w- when every day you just kind of reek 
you know, yeah. and you're just you just covered dead, in blisters, just dead tired, yeah. and you're covered in whatever. You're just like, I don't want to. Yeah, generally drop generally drop where you're covered in stuff afterwards. That's where you want to move away from. You know, whether it's blisters or beans, right? <laughs> Get out of there. You yeah. wanna you wanna go home the way you came in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, clean and fresh. Clean. Well, yeah. Fish. At least, at least somewhat clean and somewhat fresh. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I I think. I think people who have gone through those kinds of perspective building experiences have s- something. Yeah. Like, well, you, you have perspective. You yeah. have <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? That is the something. That yeah. You, yeah. I mean, being able to show up to, to an office and, and then, you know, leave in the afternoon <laughs> and not be yeah. covered in either pain or some sort of matter because of your work, uh, it's very nice. Now, here's, okay. If you're a youngster listening to this mm-hmm. podcast, for starters, you shouldn't be because well, we said on how, so. It depends on how youngster you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're a teenager and you're thinking about, you know, what should I be doing for jobs? You know what? Like, go get one of these jobs. Yeah. They are awesome. Because here's the thing. Like, there are, there are people who, like, this is their, this is their whole yeah. thing, right? And, like, you got to, you got to understand what it means to actually do this kind of stuff yeah. because it's hard as hell. Well, I think it's the thing is that a lot of people, especially if you just do, you know, you go to college and you do your internships in the summer and they're all in office buildings or whatever else and you never did any of this work. So it's like, so much harder to appreciate it if you don't know. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, the feeling of being actually physically exhausted at the end of a work day, like I'm mentally exhausted sometimes granted, but physical exhaustion is a different, that's a different thing, especially if there's pain involved, like standing at a grocery store all day, like your feet actually hurt, right? You know, and uh, doing doing things like hauling all day, like you might tweak your back, like all sorts of weird shit. And so I think, yeah, getting a perspective for that is is crucial to being able to just recognize that there's things that you get to enjoy, like going to the grocery store and having everything fully stocked, or going to a park and having there not be a shitload of you know weeds that will cause you to get burns all over the place. So Someone I have to that. say too, when when you go through these kinds of things. I, you, ever, you ever see somebody like berate uh, a waiter? Yeah. I hate those people. Yep. So like if once you've been in these positions, like if you've been a waiter, you know that like, okay, every person makes mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes shit goes wrong and you may be the best waiter there is, but if you make a mistake with the wrong person, mm-hmm. then you're just going to get shit on, mm-hmm. right? It's so actually uh, when we were, when I was in Chicago, we had this, just like, I felt so bad for our waiter because I haven't told you guys the story. Mm. <laughs> uh, so we, we went to this deep dish pizza place and we ordered, we just ordered a regular, you know, deep dish pizza. And then our, our waiter comes out and she's carrying a, she's carrying a, like a bag with a couple of boxes of pizza in them. And she's walking really, like I can tell she's like very rushed and mm-hmm. very sort of overwhelmed. Frazzled. And she comes walking toward our table uh, really fast. Like, this is not what we ordered. Mm-hmm. This is somebody else's food that I think they were like getting to take out or something. And she comes over and then she trips on the way to our <sighs> table, basically throws the pizza boxes onto the table. They land on, there's like a big stand in the middle. They hit the stand. The stand flies across the table. It hits a bunch of water glasses. <sighs> Those pour onto myself and my wife. <laughs> oh, no. uh, there's like water over the floor. And then our, our food was also, we'd been sitting there for 45 minutes and hadn't gotten our food yet. Um, and so like, like everything that could have been going wrong was going wrong. And she 
she collected herself. She's like, oh my God, this isn't even your food. I wasn't even supposed to bring this over here. And like, she was kind of shaking, you right. know, cause she was like, oh fuck, everything's ruined. And you know, I was just like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> like water. I'll just need a napkin for right. like 10. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I could tell that she was very, like she was, she was waiting for like the yeah. lid, the lid to blow on, mm-hmm. on this whole situation. And then for some shitty manager to come out and berate her also. Yeah. And, yeah. and the whole time I was just like, don't worry about it. It's never happened. It's fine. <laughs> you know? um, just gave, gave I her didn't the, see shit. Yeah, gave her the normal full tip, you know, yeah, it's well, like, think, yeah, you, it's a rough night for you. Yeah. Like you had a far worse night than I did. Like, Oh, my, my lap got very slightly wet, like big deal. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, yeah. I think you, you need that perspective to be able to, to, I think relate to people and really, in a really useful way when you're just do, going about your normal life stuff, you know, cause people are going through this constantly and most people you deal with are going through this constantly. So it's, it's nice to have an understanding of where they're at. Yes. This stuff. All right, I think we got time for one more question, uh, which is from Thorson. Good morning, Butterscotch Brothers. I've been listening for a bit and realized this last episode, which we don't know when that was. Okay. <laughs> just some previous episode. Some, Definitely. One of the previous 152 episodes. Uh, I realized this last episode was the first one I had ever heard one of you say no to another. Mm. Do you guys live by the rules of improv to never use no and only use and, or are you guys just that in tune? I'm curious because I'm in need of building a better dev team myself. Thanks. Mm. Uh, What's that about? I don't know what that one was. There, I know there definitely have been some where somebody would say something that we that one of us would then think, if people take this too seriously, yeah, then that's a problem. <laughs> so then we'll immediately say, nope, nope, nope. Let's walk not that, for us, walk that but back. for other people. Yeah, yeah. So that happens, and that also that's a kind like of, it, like saying you should pull over on the road right now, yep, exactly. regardless of what's right. happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that time nope. we figured <laughs> nope, nope. Yeah, that would, that would seem clear enough that you shouldn't do it. That none of us needed to jump in. You know, right. But, uh, but yeah, so for the most part, we try to follow that sort of yes and mm-hmm. um, rule because that's where all the interesting stuff. Well, and there's comes a, there's from. an important thing to recognize, which is that most ideas, most good ideas, start as really bad ones, yes, right? Because yeah. they're half formed, they don't have context or whatever, and so we all kind of, uh, I think, the three of us have a tendency to kind of think out loud. Like if we if we have a, an idea that we're trying to figure out, we'll rope somebody else in and we'll say, okay. I have this vague notion of what this is. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to need you to just go on this journey with me, yeah. you know? And so, so we, we have enough sort of practice of that, just like, like working cooperatively with each other to find solutions versus trying to find ways that the other person is wrong or uh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, I think there's another note there too, which is that you might hear in some of the conversations Rather than ever just like shutting someone down, usually what happens is an idea sort of, it more just like withers. So someone will, someone will venture something out and then there might be an addition to it. But more often than not, if it's something that doesn't seem like it'll work, instead of being like, no, or being like, that's a job or whatever else, uh, the conversation just naturally goes a different direction. It doesn't necessarily get shut down. It just sort of disappears. Or, oh yeah, or it gets morphed. So somebody, somebody will throw out an idea where we're like, but then, Mm -hmm. but then, uh, then it becomes a sort of, well, what if, you know, I see where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. So what if we did, but but what if we did this instead well, because of- So know, again, we're going to have the, the mini episode coming out on Friday. Um, and we do this this game design improv session. Presumably. So- uh, That we might do when it's- uh-huh. when we, we already it. did it. So, <laughs> so, uh, so 
So you'll, if you actually listen to that, uh, I think it's about halfway through, you'll, you'll hear exactly this happen. And there's a few times where confusing things happen, where someone ventures a suggestion where we're like, what, <laughs> where did this come from? But instead of just being like, no, the question is, I don't understand, you know, why, why would you want to do that? And then the explanation is given and then it's just added onto again. So, so yeah, I think it's, uh, the rules of improv are fantastic for life. And the, the most fundamental one is this yes and concept. Um, and even just, just using that as opposed to a lot of times people say yes, but. Right. So they'll say, yes, but, and then they twist the thing. If you just say, and instead you get the same outcome, but it feels like it lets the conversation just kind of. Yeah. Now go. this, this does, this does require good faith uh, because I have been in conversations with people mm -hmm. uh, where if you, if you talk to them about the rules of improv, they will take this to mean that their suggestions have to be taken. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So, so then if you say, if you say, well, what is, they'll make a suggestion and you'll say, well, what if we did this? And then they'll say, no, you said, you said you have to say yes. And, and this mm -hmm. is what I said. And you have to say yes to what I said. Yes. It's like, no, that's not the fucking point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the point is to try to sort of riff off of and spin off of what each other says. Yeah. The point is collaboration, not anyone's actual yeah, contribution. It's not, it's not just, I'm going to force everybody to take my ideas. The end. Yeah. Like that's not. There's a really good book on this. I actually just started reading uh, this last week called Improv Wisdom, which just sort of lays out the core tenets of improv and then also gives exercises that you can do sort of in your weekly life or whatever else to try to push some of these different ideas forward. So yes, and is, is the first one and the, and the most fundamental one. But I realized also after looking at our principles that a lot of our principles are actually aligned with the rules of improv, hmm. which is super interesting. Uh, and they're, they're, of course, you know, framed a little bit differently because we're a studio, but, but it was really interesting to sort of, uh, as I've been reading this, kind of note the parallels where it is true that we, the three of us together are very good at just sort of riffing off of each other without shutting stuff down. And it's usually only after, you know, maybe like a minute or two of letting just, just letting weird shit happen that ideas start kind of crystallizing in a good way. And well, I, I don't know, I can imagine having to argue about. Well, I, I think actually a lot of it kind of comes down to sort of the, the intent of the end point, which is like, usually we're just trying to make each other laugh. Yeah. As opposed to trying to be right. Yes. Right. So, so if we're having a discussion about something or we're just trying to find something weird or something interesting that will make the other person be like, Ooh, mm -hmm. right. As opposed to just trying to make the other person feel like shit and then go home crying. Which, yeah. Well, I, I mean, think, that's one way to do it. I think you're right. I think if, if the team's goal is aligned toward, toward, uh, you know, whatever the product is or whatever that sort of thing that they're going after, as opposed to being right and by an individual person or even right in the sense of like the team doing the quote unquote right thing. Um, but rather being aligned toward a purpose, then you can actually have the improv kind of go in the correct direction. But if as soon as as soon as you enter that that domain where people are right or wrong, or you're aiming toward a correct solution or an incorrect one, I mean, there's been plenty of times where one of us has had to check the other one because we might be getting into sort of execution details before it's necessary. And that's the sort of place where saying no to stuff is critical. Where if I say, "Hey, I really want to do this," um, you know, and and then someone might point out that it's completely not feasible, right? With the current tech we have, or whatever else, right? Occasionally, there's been times where I might say, I didn't ask you if it was feasible. I'm just like, I just want to explore this idea a little right. bit. We'll figure out. Because maybe we'll find later. something. Maybe we'll find something like it that is feasible yeah. if we just keep digging. But that's part right. of the whole stepping back thing, just to make sure everybody knows what the goal is. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. um, if, if it sounds like your goal is to do that exact thing, then of course, if someone's like, that can't work, then absolutely you should say that that can't work. Right. Mm -hmm. But uh, you need to then make sure that the two of you, figure out how to as quickly as possible get to an understanding that that's actually not the point that the point was there's this 
there's this idea or kind of generic goal I'm trying to hit. This was my first crack at it. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that crack. That's fine if mm-hmm. that was bad crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to, yeah, we we need need to step good, back. We need, we need good, crack. good crack. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can work <laughs> together to to find a better goal. Yeah. Or, or even use the same goal, but just get some more crack that you can throw at. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes that amounts to you go down sort of an improv chain for a bit and then someone just says, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think this will work as far as where we've gotten to. What was the point? Like, what were we trying to do? Yeah. And then you might actually completely shift what that design goal is. So that's happened billions of times from our. That's actually research. the main way. I think the, the main way that things happen outside of the sort of the podcast, because the podcast, we're never trying to solve any problems, right? Mm-hmm. So outside of the podcast, I think the main way that things happen is somebody says, hey, I'm trying to do this. And somebody else is like, I don't think that makes any sense. And then after a while, we realized there was actually some different goal. Mm-hmm. And then we actually step back and we work through all of that and then, and then do brainstorming sessions and try to figure it all out. So there's, there's one other sort of interesting note with all this, which is it's, there's, there's a layer of trust in recognizing that, uh, that other people's feelings about things are valid. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to like, if like let's say I program something up, like some new mechanic or something, then I kick it over to Sam to play it. And he just says like, I don't like this. Like, mm-hmm. There's something about this that's wrong. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it like when I, maybe when I do this, something about it feels like it's not responding the way mm-hmm. I want it to. Um, I don't get, I don't get to then go. Yeah. Except no, I don't care. Like, I don't right. care if you feel that way. Uh, because there, there's, there is something I, I trust his intuition on this. Mm-hmm. Right. And so even though he maybe can't even articulate what the problem is or what the, what needs to change, uh, that's an invitation to a conversation to try to dig in and explore and explore it, right? As opposed to just telling the other person that they're wrong about mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and, that, and that also applies to new game uh, concepts, new game mechanics entirely. So, you know, we actually had this with the wiring system yeah. uh, in, in Levelhead where, where we just had the brief conversation of, you know, just something about this this uh, switch lever door system just feels really limiting and kind of, Hard, hard to understand. And, uh, so then that just kind of, that just kind of opened up the, and of course for me, that means, all right, I'm going to be programming this new wiring system for two weeks, Yeah, but it's going to make the game so much better. I think it's this so, interesting thing is like being able to set aside and just say, Hey, we're just going to explore this idea without necessarily without I think committing to anything. That's the problem. Yeah. I think a lot of people, they pair the, the commitment to the work with the exploration verbally of the work. And the reality is like, after we discovered how the wiring system works, um, or could, could work, we had the conversation, like, is this a thing we actually should do? Because this is going to add probably two weeks to dev cycle for where we're at. That's going to throw off a bunch of our stuff. Is this really a thing we want to do? Um, are you comfortable with doing it? And blah, blah, blah. And then the answer was, yeah, I think this is good enough. And so instead of just saying like, oh, because this was a good idea, we're going to do it. Uh, if you let those be separate, then yeah. now you have a way, you just have a nice free space for people to actually sort of riff and come up with really weird ideas without having to worry about who's doing what and all sort of all the details. Yeah, so it's pin down what the idea is, then figure out the costs and the benefits, yes. then make a decision mm-hmm. after that. So, yeah, so it's just kind of a little, little insight into mm-hmm. our process. So that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server at discord.gg bscotch and come say hello. Um, also, just again, we've got the Shenanah Jam coming up this weekend. Sign up for it. Sign Do up it. for it. You can find that at shenanajam.com. And remember, we have a special mini episode of the podcast coming on Friday morning, 8 a.m. CDT. Mm-hmm. 
So and keep, that's June 8th. Yes. June 8th. June 8th. Yep. Uh, so keep your ears open for that. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net. You totally just missed the best promo ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll just, you know, that extra is just like a tip. Yep. So that's, you know, it makes you feel better. It makes us feel better. It's much better this way anyways. Also, if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox. You can find the address over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.